I've got two stands, three Bibles, a bunch of notes, so I hope you guys don't have any plans for lunch. No, I'm just kidding. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> what Phyllis shared is so good this morning. See if she comes back in. There she is. hearts engaged. Um, I'm just waiting on the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> yeah, I think it says in Amos, uh, it says, when the lion roars, who can but prophesy? You know, and man, that was a roar this morning. So if I can't preach in this atmosphere, I don't know. That was really good. That was really good. Jesus. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we thank you that we have caught the attention of the creator of the universe. We, we have caught his attention. His gaze is set towards us this morning. And so, Lord, I thank you that you've heard our worship, Lord, and to you it is a sweet-smelling aroma. And, Lord, when we respond in just giving you glory and praise, Lord, you respond <clears throat> back to us with your voice and your eyes and your love. And, Lord, you pour yourself out upon us afresh and anew. So, Lord, we thank you for that this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just anoint these words. Lord, let them find room in our heart. Lord, I pray even right now that if there's things in our hearts that should not be there, I pray that this word pushes those things out and that the word of God would remain and abide and dwell within us. So Lord, push the things out of our hearts and out of our minds this morning that, that, that is taking up too much room. And Lord, I pray that you just fill it and, and um, Lord, just allow that fire to, to burn again. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I just love what Phyllis shared this morning. And um, I had a thought as I got up and I was praying with the Lord. Um, I was reminded of something that Bill Johnson said. And I want to encourage you because what, what she was referring to, I'm going to try to not get too ahead of myself, but um, <clears throat> Bill says something amazing that he does not have the luxury in his assignment to only do what he's good at and I'm probably making it a bad paraphrase, but we don't have the luxury within our calling and within our assignment to only do what we're good at. The thing that God might be calling you to do this morning, you may be afraid to do, you might be terrible at it, but we don't have the luxury to choose what he calls us into. We do have an opportunity though and a choice to answer it and to trust and to step out into faith And in that same sense, we should not live with the luxury like we have plenty of time. 
we should not be living our lives, well, yeah, I'll answer the call of God on my life tomorrow, or I'll study more tomorrow, or we are not promised tomorrow. We should not be living our life with the luxury of having plenty of time. It is, we can say this safely and out of, out of the mouth of prophets can say this without contradicting itself. It's later than we think and yet we have time to do what we're called to do. It's okay to say, I, I'm, I'm, I, I could even just tell you by the spirit of the Lord this morning, whether we have one year or a hundred years, it's still later than we think. It's still later than we think it is. There's only so much time allotted for us to do the work that God has called us to do before he cracks the sky. And whether we have, again, a hundred years or tomorrow, I don't know, but it's later than we think. And we can feel in our hearts, we are a prophetic body. Okay, so in the hearts of prophetic people, and this might help explain to you why you feel the things you do, you will carry within yourself the pain of the past without, you don't have to be wounded still, but you will carry with you the things that you have gone through. There will be something attached to the, the victories that you have overcome in those moments. You will carry for God's people the pain of the past you will carry simultaneously in you the pressure of the present. And you will carry in you all together at one time the promise of the future. This is all in us, all of the time. And it's on to us to discern. Where is it that we're, we're man, I wish Kenny was in here. To be able to discern Am I feeling things from my past? Am I just feeling the pressure of the present or am I carrying this? We are carriers of promise, okay? And, and even with just like the rainbow that was just over us, we are carriers of promise. I was looking at it and I'm like, Lord, this is, this is such a covenant sign of your promises. And like, I'm looking for him to do something. And he's looking at us and he's saying, listen, the banner over us, there's a banner over our church and it's carriers of promise. Like it's in you. It's already in you. I was told years ago that the change that needs to take place in me is already in me. There is so much more in you than we could ever imagine. It doesn't, I don't wanna say that there's more than Christ in you, the hope of glory, but there's, there's, it's an unfolding, right? It's a continuous revelation of what is in you. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is in you. There is an impartation for us this morning and um, not that I wanna move quickly through this, but um, there's an impartation for us this morning. And I mean this in this sense, it's not receiving something that you don't already have. It's calling awake and stirring up something that's already in you. This definition of impartation, it reads like this, it's the transmission of information. And I say that because how this word came to me was supernatural. And I believe that because of the way that it came, the Lord wants to impart it to us this morning. <clears throat> I wasn't really pray, uh, you know, praying or asking for this. Uh, I don't want to get into the encounter too much, but I was just praying in tongues a lot. I mean, driving my car and the Lord breaks in on me to the degree that I have to pull over. This, is, this was a few weeks ago. And, and it just, this 
birthing something, this calling awake of something that was already in me. You know, when, when somebody says a truth, whether it be scripture or somebody just says something, you know, that really has power behind it, you're like, yes. And it finally gives language to what you felt. You just couldn't really communicate it before, right? That truth was already in you. Somebody just spoke a word of wisdom in season that brought that to life in you. And that's what this kind of is. Um, back before we went on vacation, <clears throat> there was a phrase that dropped into my heart. And, and I leaned into this while we were gone. And this was the phrase, the Lord of hosts. That's all that I heard the Lord of hosts. And oftentimes, you know, the Bible says for us to not despise the day of small beginnings. I used to be so prideful in thinking that the Lord meant that one day I'd have a big ministry. You know, like, man, how arrogant and prideful is that to think like, all right, buddy, you, you know, the day of small beginnings, don't despise this day because one day you'll have a large ministry. And what I'm finding is everything that the Lord gives us comes in seed form. Everything we receive actually is of small beginning. It's on to us to make sure, one, that it falls on good soil, that it would be able to grow and it doesn't get choked out by the cares of the world and doesn't fall by the wayside and it doesn't fall on hard ground and it springs up and the sun burns it out. You know, it's on us to make sure that the word, that the small beginning that drops it, listen, there's words in us. There's words in us. I could actually, I'm going to get into this, but we, we there's, there's angels that we are able to allow to help minister to us and bring us, listen, they are sent from God to help those who are inheriting salvation. And I could see over some of us even right now, the angel that is assigned to you, the words that are in your hearts, it might've come as just a random thought one day, but lean into that. And I'm gonna show you what I mean by this. So the Lord of hosts, and it's just struck me as odd that we can, we can pull up uh, amazing teachings. And I mean, I'm sure there are books upon books upon books of, of demonic spirits and strongholds and what you call this demon, what you call, you know, you stub your toe against the door. There's a demon, you could probably call it, right? That's just where we are with it. And I thought it was just strange. Like, Lord, I wanna know your army. And I was like, wow, we have so many names for all this demonic stuff. I wanna to start to know and, and, and interact with God's army, with the angels of heaven. You are the Lord of hosts. And, and it just struck me like we can, I can at least slip into like this religious aspect where somebody starts talking about angels and their names. I'm like, I need a scripture for that. You know, well, I don't need that on the other spectrum of things. I just go for it, right? I mean, we have Jezebel, we have all these other things. And the Lord said to me this, he said, stop looking for their names and start watching their functions. See, angels, they don't wanna be recognized. They don't want the glory. Their sole purpose is to be able to glorify Jesus. They want him to get his full reward. They are here to help us encounter him and him encounter us and for us to fulfill the call on our life. They want, they actually have zero emotional attachment to you. They do not respond to your wishes. They don't want your opinion. You know what they respond to? They respond to the word of God in you. They respond to Jesus in you. That's what angels respond to. And they are sent to us to help us walk out our salvation. So this just began to grow in me. The Lord of hosts 
this name of God appears 261 times in the Old Testament. Now, I don't know this to be an absolute fact, but you could check it out. I can't imagine there being a name of God that appears quite much more than the Lord of hosts at 261 times. <clears throat> it, it's Yahweh Sabaoth, which means, you know, Yahweh, I am, God showing his self-existent, self-sufficient nature. It is the name by which he instructs his people to remember him throughout all generations. However, Sabaoth comes from the word Seba, which means army. Historically, it referred to a multitude of warriors and it refers to all the heavenly armies under God's command. I want to know this. I want to understand this. These heavenly armies include celestial beings. We talk about this in Jeremiah 31. Another host God commands are heavenly beings such as cherubim, seraphim, and other angels. Micaiah had a vision and said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all of the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. Jesus refers to God's command of his hosts of angels in Matthew, asking, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? A legion was a unit of 6,000 men in the Roman army during Jesus's day. Thus, um, he was saying God could summon 72,000 angels at a moment's notice to protect his son. When John received his vision of heaven, he described angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. These descriptions show that God commands an innumerable amount of heavenly beings an entire host of angel armies. The name Lord of hosts was most frequently used by the prophets when God's people were facing defeat in order to encourage them to trust God and to submit to his authority. We can also today heed the prophet's call to recognize God as the self-sufficient leader of innumerable armies that make him Lord of hosts over our own lives. So even with this understanding, right, I'm praying into this. I want to encounter angels. And the Lord says, stop looking for their names and start watching their functions. And I have this encounter where I'm made aware that the future is in me. Now, I have about a, a mustard seed worth of understanding into this, but I believe the impartation that we have today will continue to unfold in me and in us as well. The future is in you. Cheryl had sent me a video. It was just a couple days after that, and I hadn't, I hadn't told anybody at this point about this. And she sends me this video, and a, there was a prophet guy on Sid Roth, and he's talking, he's, he's talking about things to come. And as I'm listening to it, driving my work truck, he says, you know what? And the future is in us. The future needs to be in you. We need to realize that the future is in us. And I mean, you could imagine my reaction almost because I just, it shocked me. Like out of this, sometimes I just kind of hold things before God. And I'm like, man, was this really the Lord? And you just think about certain things until confirmation comes like this. And then it's like, okay, this is real. What am I going to do with this? This is real. The future is in me. And he gives us this scripture, and I, I want to read. You don't have to turn there, but it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. And I'm going to read this out of two different, um, two different translations. I'm going to read this out of the New King James, and then also 
out of the Amplified. I just really like how the Amplified says this. So Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And the Amplified reads it this way. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds, a divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy, yet so that men cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. <clears throat> and if you want to look up this, uh, I'm going to break this down here, but Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 I would be a theologian's nightmare today, by the way, because I'm gonna take this one verse and then out of this one verse, I'm gonna pick one word, okay? And we're gonna look at just this one word and this one verse. But study this out, take a look at this for yourselves. We're gonna look at that word eternity and we're gonna look at that word world. They broke, break it up in two different things. If you wanna write this down, if you guys wanna study this, this is Strong's uh, number 5769 is what this word breaks down to be. So basically he's saying that he has put eternity into men's hearts. This word means this, time out of mind. It means future. It means eternity. We read that God had bound man to time and given him the capacity to live above time, hence the future. So he puts us in time, but also gives us a way. He has put it in our hearts, the future in our hearts to live above time. And what I mean by that is there's this sense of, um, this, it, there's more than just right here, right now that we're, we're walking out. Um, there's a longing in knowing that there's gotta be something more. I'll show you how much the future is in us. Um, I hope it's okay to share this, Rick, but your back hurt earlier this week. We see him now healed and whole. Do you realize that that was already in him? It just actually took time to catch up. But in the spirit, today was going to be healed, whole, no pain. I can't go back and unwreck my four-wheeler, but my thumbs are fine. Does that make sense? Healing is already in us. It, my thumbs were already healed before I wrecked my four-wheeler. Now there's th things that you know happen and take place consequences of, of, I don't want to say living outside of God's will, but I don't think it was his will that I crashed my four-wheeler. However, the healing that I needed was already in me. The future was already in me. We get to be so future-minded that I know, listen, God said, watch this. Thank you, Lord. If he has put the future in our hearts, it is against our nature to try to live out of our past. We are not meant to live out of our past. It's okay to go back and allow the Lord to bring healing. It's okay to go ahead and allow the Lord to show you areas of your life that mean you need healed in this area, but we don't live out of our past. We get to live out of, I have not yet come into the fullness of, I am a son of God. But my future, the future in me allows me to think that, you know what, even though I'm on my way to becoming fully a son of God, that's how I identify, even though it's down the road. I get to partner with what God has already said and what he has already done. This is the future in us. There is a mindset that we can already tap into.
So with that being said, I want to make the point that in our created being, it is against our nature to live according to the past. We are designed and created to live in the present, growing and moving towards the future. Worship is already over. We are still able to enjoy the residual effects of his presence and of his glory, but that time is already gone. We can't go back and be in the worship again that we were. That means that the future has already come. This moment was already in us. I hope I'm making sense to you guys. If you have questions, we'll talk about it. But here's a, here's a, here's a, a nugget that the enemy knows your past. He doesn't know your future. The enemy doesn't know your future. That's why he's been trying so hard to push us into something that's not yet time for. He doesn't know your future. He knows your past. <clears throat> but so does God. And wounds from your past, the enemy knows the unmet needs of your soul. He knows the wounds and the things that you've been through. And that's the only place that he's able to actually touch. But we don't live there. God has healed you from your past so you can live out your future. God will redeem the times with the future. We know that we have a God who redeems time, but we don't set the clock back and get to do it all over. In a sense we do because that's really what grace is. That's really the power of the blood of Jesus is that my sins can be completely washed away as if it has never happened. But that's still future that's still future thinking. That's still grace coming from the future. I have a few scriptures that I want to just read over us and allow this to just, when I, be, when I like first saw this, the entire Bible is leading us to something. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, there, everything, when you look at the prophets of old, they spoke in the present to the future and then they would be in the future speaking to us into the present. And it's on us to be able to, to, to discern. Is this, this is how the prophetic really works, is that we can come out here and speak to something, okay? From the future into our present. And that prophetic wisdom will be able to come back here with you and say, son, listen, this is what we spoke to. Let's walk this out together. Now we have insight. Now we have direction. Now we have wisdom to help us get to what God has already spoke out here. You don't have to turn here. I'm going to read through these kind of quickly. And I would love to um, be able to pray for everybody if the kids want hands laid on them and prayed for. But I want, and I believe that the Lord is calling us to be aware of this setting our mind on things above, this future that's in your hearts before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God had put eternity. He had put the future in you and that's where you get to live from. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the thoughts I have. Some versions say, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. Now you realize that when God is speaking this to, to the people of God, they were, they were not doing well. They were actually kind of being punished for their disobedience. They were in some hard times. And the Lord is saying, listen, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. In the midst of your struggles and your downfalls and your shortcomings, I, I want you to have peace and not evil. My, my plans for you are for a future and for a hope. But, but what's amazing is nobody makes plans for something that they've already done. 
We don't go on vacation and come home from vacation and decide to make plans for the vacation you just went on. The plans that we make are in preparation for that which is to come. Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and a river in the desert. We see this again, just as speaking. Um, uh, Revelation 4, 1. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things that must take place after this. Psalm 90, why is it so important to have our, our hearts and our minds engaged in the future? To teach us to number our days that our heart might, might gain wisdom. First uh, Corinthians chapter two, it is God, well, let me just say this, it is godly wisdom to speak and to set your heart towards the future. Verse six says this, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age know. For had they known, this is how we know that the enemy doesn't know the future or the plans of God. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Psalm 139 verse four, there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together everywhere. God is continuously speaking to us from the future into our present. John 16, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I want to, this is a, this is a great example. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not, which do not exist as though they did. You see, the promise was already in Abraham. You see, the seed was already in him. When he says you're going to be a father of many nations, the seed was already in him. The future of Israel was already in him. The power was in God to fulfill it, to bring it forth, but the seed was already in Abraham. Jeremiah 33, three, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Verse six says, behold, I will bring, bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Second Corinthians chapter four, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Philippians 1, being confident of this very thing, that he who has began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Some other scriptures that just show us that God has already have, he already has answers before there's even a problem. That he was crucified before the foundation of the world that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, you were already ordained a prophet to the nations. 
The kingdom of God is within you. He is the alpha, he is the omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last, and all things are in him. I think that one of the hardest things that Jesus ever tells us isn't to love your neighbor or, or you know, take up this cross and follow me. I believe that one of the hardest things Jesus tells us to do is actually be in this world, but not of it. The struggle that that really is to be in this world, but yet be somewhere else in your heart and in your mind, being in this world, but heavenly minded. You know, I used to be told, man, don't be so heavenly minded, Kev, you're no earthly good. And I, I just always didn't like that. But this is the place that we're called to be. We are called to live in the future, like speaking to those things that are not as though they are in that kind of faith. Be in this world and not of it. Carriers of promise. In the encounter that I had, I knew that and it's okay to talk about this. I, I, I don't know why for me, there's a hesitancy to even talk about angels, but there's angels in, in this room, but they're always around us. I mean, myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. And the angel revealed himself to me by his function. And that was future. And so for whatever reason that the Lord wants to make us aware that future is with us, the future is for you. Future is for you. He carries something that we don't yet possess in a sense that it hasn't been awakened in us. He wants to reveal something to us that we need that's going to give us the strength and the courage and the boldness to continue to walk out the things that we're called to walk out. There is an urgency that he wants to reveal. Not in haste and not that we you know, don't number our days and use wisdom, but there's an urgency that we must allow to be awakened in us because of the times that we're living in. So I wanna just take, a, you know, some time. If there's other things that you want um, prayer for, I'll pray for you afterwards. <clears throat> um, if you need encouraged, a prophetic word, whatever it might be, I'll, I'll stay and I'll pray for you afterwards. But I want to just quickly come through and impart future. All right, I'll do this too, Lord. Um, I can see some, I could see over us some of these angels that are assigned to us. And, and Rick, there is just courage. Man, courage is with you. Courage is with you. When you don't feel courageous, courage is with you. And it's, and it's empowered you to continue to step out. And you could see that being evident in your life. So I wanna just take a minute. If you don't want prayer, that's fine. I, I understand if you don't want uh, to come up and, and uh, get prayer, that's okay. I don't know what the kids would be looking like. I don't know if somebody could check on that for me if they would want to, if the parents wanna bring them through and, and just have me pray for both of them together if you want to. But um, I do believe that this is what the Lord wants us to lean into this morning and that future will reveal itself to us in a very powerful way and we will continue to be carriers of promise 
If something is promised to you, that means it's coming to you. We may not have the fullness of it yet, but future is bringing it to pass. So if you could just maybe turn that up a little, or Ashley's not back there, that's okay. I just want to confirm this word. Um, in the back room, when we were praying, if you remember right, uh, I just began to pray that the Lord would give us revelation of eternity and that we would understand and know and put our thoughts there. Um, but I thought the future, it, there we were, there I am, the Lord's already calling what he was going to do. He was, I know, that's why I had to get up and share this because here's an example that God is telling me to pray for the future of this morning and that we would receive revelation in our hearts. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Wow, Lord, man, Jesus. And that's the thing I just kept asking because of this. Like, Lord, I want, I don't want to miss it, you know, and I want confirmation on this, Lord. I'm going to, um, I was actually told uh, by a close friend Kev, throw this word out. And Rick, you probably know, or anybody that shared Phyllis, you'll know what I mean by this too. But sometimes you carry a word in your heart and when you give it, it feels like it leaves you. Like, you know, it actually occupies space in your heart and you feel it and it feels amazing. It feels alive. And then when you give it and you preach it or you prophesy it, it seems like you leave you, it leaves you. And then at least for me, it, it leaves me empty sometimes. So you know what I mean? And he said, Kev, throw this word out, man, and then go pick it back up and eat it. And there's just something on this, and I want to understand this more. And so as a body, let's just press into this. And um, so if you guys want to come up and... Uh thank you for your presence, Emmanuel. We thank you for your presence. <clears throat> Some of you, if you went out with us um, in our Repair of the Breach outreach, you may remember um, um, a pastor from Canton who had a church and uh, did some street ministry with us. His name was Pastor Brown. And I had a dream about him a few nights ago and in the dream I was talking to him on the phone and I dropped my phone and dropped the call and I, I picked it up and I tried over and over to reconnect and I couldn't and so I called him a couple days ago and I told him about the dream and he said God's plans and his purposes for us involve us being connected and the enemy wants us to be disconnected so it was a reminder uh, for me to remain connected and it's funny that Phyllis mentioned the Corinthian scripture at the beginning of uh, the service um, because Paul writes a lot about us being connected and I want to read from Acts chapter 2 and verses 46 and 47 it says every day they continued 
to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we're called to reach out and often that, that involves uh, connecting with someone to be effective and, and um, we need to be connected from within like our fellowship is. The verse that I read says they shared, they enjoyed, they praised and they worshiped together and they took communion together and, it, and then it says and daily the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. So don't discount what, what we do here, just, just showing up and what Phyllis mentioned, uh, maybe maybe the, the Lord has somebody uh, in line to give you a word and if you don't show up, that person doesn't get used, you don't get used. A part of the body is uh, sometimes just showing up and being connected. So continue with what we do each week. We, we meet and we do share and we praise and worship together and then communion. I think it's our opportunity to be, to be connected with Jesus. So let's, let's now commune together with the one who laid down his life for us.